Hello, everyone. Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today, we are going to talk about grief, which is not a, a very commonly talked about aspect of wellness, but it's super important for your health and for, for those around you. And who better to talk about grief with than the grief recovery specialist, Victoria Volk. Victoria, welcome to the podcast. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite platform. As always, check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Will you take a moment to introduce yourself and what brought you to this point in your life? Why the area of grief that you chose to focus on? Yeah, so my story goes back more than 30 years when my father passed away and and then I had some traumas that happened to me shortly thereafter and in adulthood too. We often have more than one grief experience in our lives and they're cumulative and they're cumulatively negative. And, um, but yeah, I live in the Midwest. I'm married and I have three teenagers, but life wasn't always, I ha- wasn't always um, emotionally um, stable. I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll just say that I wasn't always emotionally stable. And it was because of the grief, the unaddressed grief that I was carrying all of my life, essentially, up until about three years ago, when I really faced it head on in grief recovery, um, which is what I'm, I'm a certified advanced certified grief recovery specialist. And um, it changed my life. And as a kid, I was the crybaby. I just very sensitive. Um, if and I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with like the Myers Briggs, I'm an INFP. I'm an em- I'm very I'm an empath. I would say I'm very highly sensitive person. And so as a child, and a highly sensitive child, um, and I wasn't encouraged, or it wasn't I wasn't I didn't feel free to emotionally express myself because. I was, I was the crybaby when I did, right? Like that's and often many parents do say that don't cry. You're being a crybaby or, you know, and what that does is it shuts down the emotion in that other person, whether it be a child or another adult, it's can be very harmful to people, but we do this because, and I did it too, before I knew differently um, as a parent. And, but once we learn different tools and we learn new knowledge, we can do differently. And I didn't understand the capacity or the impact, I should say, of my losses until I really understood grief, the way that the grief recovery method really opened my eyes to it in a different way, a way I'd never seen it before. And it does it through knowledge and tools and really a lot of self-exploration and discovery. And so I saw all of my losses for the first time in front of me in black and white through that experience. And it was very overwhelming at the time, but it was very necessary. And there's so many people that might say, well, I don't need to dig up the past. I don't, you know, that's, that happened then I I've dealt with it. Many people say that I said that too. I'm fine. 
And in grief recovery, fine is feelings inside not expressed. Um, <laughs> and that's what, that's the mask or the face that so many of us put on in front of others is the fine mask. And once we address all of that stuff, those undelivered communications that we have for people, whether they're dead or alive, because grief happens in both kinds of relationships, grief happens in the happiest of relationships, the most loving of relationships, there's grief. And it also happens in the most terrifying and harmful relationships as well. Grief is grief. And we all grieve at 100%. And when we don't address it, we can find ourselves resorting to behaviors that were either A, emulated for us by our parents because that's how they coped with their grief, which is why it's so common that people who adults or parents or that are alcoholics, the children often find themselves resorting to alcohol as well to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, because as parents, we pass down what we've learned. And this isn't to dog parents. This, I did the same thing. But again, it's because I didn't know better. I didn't understand my own grief to where I could break that cycle until I did. And then when I did, it changed everything for me. It changed my parenting. It changed how I showed up in the world. Um, it's led to opportunities and self-confidence that I never had before. Um, but there was a lot of roller coaster experiences in between. And so I resorted to alcohol and that um, led to a lot of, that just led to more shame, more guilt and more grief. And um, so really it was this, how I got to do this work is my personal story, my own personal experience of knowing what it's like to carry grief for so long as a child being a highly sensitive person and the feelings of grief just being just very overwhelming Um, and recognizing and finding a way out and how to deal with that. Mm. And it's led to energy healing work that I do with clients. It's led to, um, I'm a certified UMAP coach because UMAP with grief recovery helps to, helps you to understand yourself better and when you understand yourself better and your grief, you see others differently too. And you see others more clearly when you've addressed your grief and you understand that we're all different and that's okay. And we all process grief differently and that's okay. Um, And often our wounds in adulthood are wounds that we carried as children. That is adulthood is childhood reenactments. I will say that, but the, the things that come up for you as an adult likely do stem from something in your childhood. And until that's addressed, we can't, it's really difficult to move past it. And either you stuff it down and resort to food, alcohol, gambling, shopping, exercise can be a, a stirb, we call them in grief recovery, short-term energy relieving behavior. Um, anything, any behavior that helps you to feel better for a short period of time. Even anger can be a stir. Wow. Now, when you first had those grief experiences as a child, how long before you were able to get some type of counseling, some type of help for that? I tried myself in, I was about 22. 
I tried hypnotherapy to go to a therapist and tried hypnotherapy. And that, um, excuse me, <coughs> that helped me uncover a little bit about the grief I had with my father, but it didn't help me move past the pain and the, the, the sadness I was carrying. Other than um, the hypnotherapy, um, it wasn't until uh, my husband and I got together, actually, because he was kind of my, he grounded me. He was the first person that um, really allowed me to be me, my most vulnerable me, my wear my heart on my sleeve me, and not reject me for it, not try to stop it. Um, he just was the first person that truly held space for me to to be who I was and accepted me for who I was. And so that led to me exploring spirituality and faith um, that I had really neglected, like not, I shut it down. Like I didn't want anything to do with God, never stepped in a church um, after my father. I take that back. I did step in a church after my father passed away. We didn't go to church, but, you know, go through the motions, you get confirmed. And I did the things I had to do. But my heart and my head weren't weren't in it, you know. Sure. I didn't feel connected. And um and I think that happens a lot with young people, especially now with just how the world is. Um and with grief that so many kids carry. It's really difficult. It's I will say this, it's really easy to lose that connection to something higher than yourself or and even disconnect from your higher self, your inner knowing, your intuition. Um, grief just really derails a lot of our capacity to tune into ourselves. Yeah. So I guess what I found was that, what I found was that nothing was helping me. I ended up after my husband and I had gotten together and I was exploring faith and all of that. Um, I was still drinking by the way. Like I, I didn't, and people would, wouldn't, maybe someone who knows me is listening to this and like, I didn't think you were an alcoholic. And that's the thing with people who drink to cope, whether it be binge drinking on the weekend, you don't think you have a problem, but if it's negatively impacting your life, it's a problem. Mm. If you're using it to cope, it's a problem. So I always thought to myself, I'm not an alcoholic because I knew what I had done in my early twenties. Then I was an alcoholic. Like I knew every drink special every night of the week. I, yeah, it was, my life was a train wreck. It was getting to be a train wreck. And so I compared my, my then mother self to who I was in my early twenties. And I thought, I don't have a problem because I'm not doing that stuff that I did before. I've got it under control, but I made decisions that were unsafe. I made, I drove drunk more than once. Um, I put my kids in danger as a result. And you really have to have a moment where you look in the mirror and look at yourself and ask, why do I think I need this thing that's only causing me more shame and more guilt and more, more, more grief in my life? And um, so I applied the knowledge of grief recovery once I had it three years ago to alcohol and transform that relationship I have to it now. Um, and it wasn't easy. Like this work isn't easy, mm -hmm. but 
up until grief recovery and as I was going through a midlife crisis, I would call it because um, my youngest had started kindergarten. I have three kids, three teenagers. My youngest had started kindergarten. I closed a business and I felt like I was losing a part of my identity in my, in who I was as a mother and as a, who I was as a photographer. And um, I was asking myself these big questions, like, what do I want to do when I grow up? <laughs> like, what do I want for my life? And I got uh, a life coach. I bought programs. I did everything I could to figure out myself. Like I wanted to know why I felt I was sick of my own. I was sick of being sick and tired and I was tired of feeling how I was feeling, but I wanted to understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Nothing told me or showed me why I was feeling the way I was until grief recovery. And so that really was life changing for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now you have a particular angle on grief as how do you define grief and what exactly, you know, a lot of, a lot of connotations come up when, when we hear the word grief, but what specifically do you mean when you say grief? If we think of grief as not just someone who has died, feelings we experience when someone dies, and we look at the grand scheme of what grief really is, which in grief recovery we define grief as the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations, and anything that you wish would have been different, better, or more. It's the normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. And, you know, it's reaching out for someone who you thought would be there one last time, and they're not. And so, dead or alive, a dream, a home that you called home for many years, and then all of a sudden it's up in flames, or you had to move, or a career that you loved, or a career you didn't love that caused a lot of grief, right? Like we're in relationship with people, with food, with alcohol, with our occupations, like with money. I mean, grief impacts every area of your life, every single area of your life. I don't know if there's anything else that does like grief. And we all experience it. We are all grievers to some degree, whether we care to admit it or not. And it's because those who I don't wouldn't identify themselves as a griever likely do so because they haven't connected what's happening in their lives, the repetitive behaviors to grief or the issues that they experience time and time and time and time again, the repetitive experiences, the similar experiences to grief. Okay. Now, in terms of addressing it, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned energy work and you mentioned your acronym STIRBS. Could you kind of Tell us a little bit more about both of those. STIRBS is, are the behaviors that you resort to when you are grieving or when you're not willing to face those difficult emotions. We resort to those behaviors. Those are STIRBS. Okay. Um, the energy work comes in when we understand. Like I was, Reiki found me. Reiki energy healing found me after I addressed my grief. But Reiki helps me do the work that I do 
being a highly sensitive person, um, to manage my own energy and to um, be of service to others. Um, but the grief process or the grief recovery process walks people through an, an action. It's an action-based, an evidence-based. There was a study done by Kent University on the grief recovery method. And it is the only evidence-based program for addressing grief. And it takes you through action steps. And you know, going in, that you're doing this for eight, nine weeks. Um, there's no like feeling of, well, am I going to have to sit on the therapist's couch for a year, you know, or two or three years? You take action. And some of those actions are addressing all of your losses or looking, I'll say looking at all of your losses. You're not addressing them all because that would feel really overwhelming, but we start, we start somewhere. And that's the thing. You have to start somewhere, but you learn tools and knowledge that you will carry with you and take with you the rest of your life. So it really is an education program as well. You learn how to be how to sit with others in their grief because you've addressed yours and you see it in other people because you know what it looks like now. Um, but you also look at forgiveness and where you need to apologize. We look at all of that and it's, it's done in a structured, um, loving way. Now, with that, you're, I would imagine, you mentioned grief affects so many different aspects of our lives that are many of your clients, it's not just the, the loss of a loved one. It, it's many other different situations. Absolutely. And that's, that's honestly a lot of the reason why I started my podcast, Grieving Voices, is because I wanted to highlight the fact that grief isn't just about death that it embodies all types of scenarios and experiences. And I mean, I've imagine you have people that have been diagnosed with cancer. I had a woman, I still fought, she's been on my podcast a couple of times, 17 years she's lived with metastatic breast cancer. Wow. 17 years. She knows she's going to die of metastatic breast cancer. There's no cure. How do you deal with that grief? Like, how do you, like, I, she is a phenomenal woman. Ann Jacobs is her episode. If you want to look her up on my podcast, but um, she's become a dear friend and I, I'm following along her story. I will, as long as I'm doing my podcast, but yeah, grief is more than just about someone dying. All kinds of ways we grieve. Now, how do you, if you know, if when you're going through whatever type of grief you're going through, how do you recognize the fact that you are, or does it take some some catastrophic event in order to, to get you to, to kind of move toward recovery. Let's just think of um, COVID. Let's just take COVID, for example. A lot of change happened during COVID. We weren't able to see our loved ones. We weren't able to go into certain places. Um, so grief is also like a change in familiar pattern of behavior. Let's say your dog dies. It's not just the dog. All of a sudden now, weeks and months and maybe even years following that, opening the door to let the dog out and in every morning, 
putting the food in the dish, those become a pattern of your life, a pattern of familiar, a familiar pattern of behavior. And so when that's gone, what do you do? Like that, it, so that's why grief can be so challenging because we have these reminders of our changes in our life, in our life, of our patterns of behavior in our life. So when you lose a spouse, let's say your spouse, let's say you have a flat tire and you always would call your husband. Well, who do you call? Like all of a sudden now you're at a loss because I always called my husband to deal with my flat tires or deal with my car issues or what have you. Like, I mean, this is just an example, but any moment that you experience in your life that is tied to someone else or something else like a pet will remind you of that loss. And that's why it feels so never ending. That's why it feels so ongoing. And so that's why when people say, well, just get over it, just get over it. It's been, it's been a year. You should be over it by now. Those reminders don't go away. Those be ha- patterns. And that's why some people too will em- make emotional decisions such as moving out of a house that they lost their loved one in or completely changing the city in which they live in. If they're and their significant other or their spouse would always go to the certain coffee shop every, every Tuesday and Wednesday or, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to see that because you don't want to be reminded of the pain. But what grief recovery does is it takes away the pain. It's not saying you won't be sad anymore. I still get sad. I still miss my dad. In fact, I'm going to be turning the same age he was when he died in a couple, in next week. That's hit me this week. Like, what if I was told you're going to die this year? Whew, right? I mean, so it's not that I don't get sad. It's just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not crying now. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Like I can talk about what's happened to me and not be a pile on the floor or a wreck for weeks on end. And I'm not stuck in this loop of the story of what happened and getting emotional and just distraught over it. I don't have the pain, but we'll always be sad about certain things. But it's the pain that keeps you stuck in that grief. So is it a question of, okay, you get you get that help and then you change your your environment, you change your circumstances, you stop you move away or stop going by the coffee shop, for example. How what is that? I which happens first, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because I that just tells me I need to clarify that. So I'm not saying that that's what you should do. I'm saying in response to the pain, that's what people often do. Okay. And so until you recognize that it's the pain that's driving those decisions, you're not thinking clearly. You're thinking it's an emotional response. But if you can learn these, this tool and these, this, have this knowledge and you can address the pain, you're thinking clearly then. You're not thinking emotional, like it's not an emotional response. What happened for me and what I've seen happen for countless others is that they see themselves clearly, they see the situation clearly, they see their environment clearly, and they see other people more clearly. You learn where you didn't have boundaries, where you probably need them, 
you probably learn boundaries for the very first time, like I did. And like, I know many other people who have gone through this program have learned. Um, It just brings so much clarity and awareness that you can't unknow it. And so then you're faced with making decisions and changes in your life for the betterment of your life. And that's scary because you don't know, well, if I address this pain, what's going to happen? Well, I would ask, if you don't address this pain, what do you think is going to happen? Mm, Good point. When you keep doing the same thing, you get the same result. So as scary as it is to face the grief, I think it's far scarier to face a life unlived and fulfilled. And that's where I would have headed myself if I wouldn't have finally addressed my grief. Sure. So you address the grief and then you make whatever changes you feel you need to make. Yeah, but they're going to be, but they'll be clear thinking. (laughs) Yeah, there'll be clear thinking decisions. And UMAP helps to, the UMAP aspect of the, of my work with clients helps people to articulate then it answers the what now. Okay, I've addressed my grief. Now what? Well, now you learn more about yourself. You learn your values. And by learning your values, you understand where your values may have been dishonored or how you're dishonoring your own values. You value honesty or you value trust. And that's broken in your relationship. Ooh, there's your clue. You have grief in that relationship because that person is dishonoring your value of trust. You learn your strengths, what you bring to the table, what you bring to the relationship, to your job, to your friendships. You, un- you have a clear picture of your value and your gifts to the world because you learn your, your preferred skills and what you're good at. And you're given the language. You have the language finally to articulate that. And you know your worth. You feel your worth. And that's why I say confidence comes as a byproduct of going through and addressing your grief. Because you start to see yourself more clearly, tapping into your own knowing and your own intuition. And it doesn't matter what your loss is. Anybody can go through this process because it's unique to you and your grief. They say, like, there's no cookie cutter process for addressing grief. Some could say this is cookie cutter because everybody goes through the same process. But it's not cookie cutter because your grief is unique to you. No story is like yours. And your story matters. Okay. Well, where do people start? You know, whether regardless of what type of grief or when it started. I think it's looking in the mirror and asking yourself, what am I trying to forget? Where am I holding this emotional weight within me? How is this affecting my relationships? How is this impacting me meeting my own potential in my life? How is this disguising opportunities that I just can't see because I'm so convoluted with my own emotional turmoil? It's really just asking yourself better questions. What do I want for the rest of my life? Do I want more of this? the suffering. And I say, 
if you're already suffering, you might as well suffer and move your feet. And that's what I finally did. And I do not regret it. I think I would regret still being stuck in that place in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18 <laughs> of feeling like I'm meant for more and never meeting it, never meeting my own potential. It's really difficult to see that when we're just overcome with our own suffering and this victim mentality we find ourselves in. Okay. So just taking a step back and reflecting and then I guess moving forward and getting whatever help you need, essentially. Choosing. Because not choosing is a choice too. True. Not asking for help is a choice too. You are choosing. So which choice do you want to make? And then following up that choice with action. Okay. Fantastic. Wow. Just really, really uncoming to bringing those things to the surface and then addressing that. That's huge. As you mentioned, so many people just repress that or, or push it aside somehow. Yeah. It's like you don't, when you see a glacier, you only see what's on top, right? You, but if you see underwater, it's just massive. And that's, that's grief within us. Just a tip of the iceberg is on top. <laughs> but if you dig deep, it goes pretty far. Absolutely. Most people. That's true. Well, as we wrap up here, any, um, kind of words of wisdom or uh, or thoughts on as people kind of digest all of this and really apply it to their lives, essentially? Yeah, I think if you don't have hope and you feel hopeless, it can feel like a very dark future, very bleak. And if there is, I would just say to, to just keep clinging and just keep inching forward to something, anything that not helps you to feel better because that's going back to the stirrups, right? So not the cupcakes, you know, not the alcohol, but just hold on to that hope that things can and will get better. The only constant in life is change, but we have so much power in what that change is than we give ourselves credit for. And we are more powerful than we believe we are. It's difficult to see that when we just feel really lost. So if you want to discover yourself again before grief came into the picture, Start exploring what you, the essence of who you were as a kid, right? What you enjoyed as a child and bring those little things into your life. Like I collected stickers as a kid. Absolutely love stickers. And I now use the uh, passion planner. They make stickers <laughs> and you put them in the passion planner. It's like, oh my gosh, I love this. This, this just lights me up. It makes me 
the essence of who I am, like these little delights, right? Like it delights me to play with stickers. (laughs) I'm like in my forties, like, you know, but that's the essence of who I am. So what delights you? What delighted you as a child and bring, remind yourself that you're not broken. You don't need fixing. You're just grieving. And there's a way back to the essence of who you are. Fantastic. Well, Victoria, how can people get in contact with you? My website, theunleashedheart.com. All the links are there to social media. I'm at The Unleashed Heart on Instagram. My podcast, Grieving Voices, the link is on there as well. Everything's on there. I have a free energy quiz on there as well. Um, And I just recently launched a program, Do Grief Differently. And it's more comprehensive. It's basically the same program I was using running last year, but now it's kind of, last year was kind of just a a beta of grief recovery and UMAP together. And now it's official and I've extended the weeks. Now it's 12 weeks that I work with clients. Uh, And that's on there as well. Information on that. Do grief differently. Yeah. Everything's on the website. Fantastic. We will include all of those things in the show notes. Victoria, it's been a pleasure having you on. I love your your aspect and take on so many different aspects of grief and really helping bring bringing people to healing after X number of years of going through different situations. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. And I'll say too, it's never too late and it's never too soon. So even if it's been six months or 16 years or 60 years, It's never too late and never too soon to address your grief. Hey, everyone. Michelle Seidling here at Food Experience Unplugged. Are you enjoying the Food Experience Unplugged podcast and are ready to ramp it up a level? Then it's time to go premium. With a premium podcast membership, in addition to all the great podcast episodes you know and love, you'll receive additional bonus content and exclusive interviews from many of our podcast guests. You'll receive a live Q&A access each month where I'll address questions pertaining to holistic health and how you can start your journey. You'll also receive weekly shorter video clips with information on tips, tricks, and strategies to get started, to build consistent habits, and to take charge of your health. Go premium today. I'll see you there. (music) 